Hi, welcome to the Charlotte Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message and that it both encourages and inspires you. Have you ever wondered why we're here? Like, why us? Why Shiloh? Why do we exist? Someone's probably going to yell out, well, we exist to worship God. That's true. Or um, we, we're here to learn more about the Bible. Or um, maybe we're here to connect with other Christians. And all that stuff is absolutely true, sort of. Sort of, like, like, like halfway. Um, it's not actually the whole reason. Like, think about this for a moment. The Church of Jesus Christ, which we are a part of, right, is the only organisation I know that exists for non-members. Like, can you imagine if you had a footy club that wasn't actually about the players, but was about the people in the stands that weren't sure they liked football and wanted to play football? It'd be strange. Or what about this? What about if you had a doctor's office that actually wasn't for sick people, it was for healthy people who were sceptical about modern medicine? That'd be strange. Or what if it was a university that existed for people who were too old to attend university and didn't value education? It would be strange, it would be weird, and yet that is church. We exist to praise God, yes, if you believe that, say amen. We exist to learn about the Bible, yes, if you believe that, say amen. We exist to hang out with other Christians, if you believe that, say amen. But we also exist for people who aren't Christians, who are not sure if God is real. We exist for people who don't value our view of morality and aren't sure if they even believe the Bible, let alone want to interpret the Bible the way we interpret the Bible. We exist for those people too. We exist for people who aren't on the same page as us. We exist for people who don't even value us. That is strange. That is weird. That is odd. But that is the upside down kingdom that Shiloh is a part of, right? The kingdom of the living God. Which means sometimes we do things in a very upside down kind of a way. And sometimes what can happen as Christians is we get so close to the painting, we forget how upside down we actually are and how strange we absolutely are. Give us a wave if you know that some Christians are strange. There's a few people, everyone who didn't wave, you might be one of those people. We do things at Shiloh that Christians scratch their heads at. We definitely do things that non-Christians scratch their heads at because we are part of an upside down kingdom. So what's the upside down kingdom actually like? What is it actually like? Well, um, we're going to take a look at the upside down kingdom, the kingdom of God, from the perspective of somebody who isn't a part of it. If you've got a Bible, I want you to turn with me to the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter 10. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 10. If you've got a physical Bible, it's probably a third of the way through. If you've got a digital Bible, it's about halfway through the Old Testament. You can Google it. If you don't have a Bible, they'll chuck it on the side screens as well. If you're tuning in online, big shout out. We love you. If you're listening on our podcast, equal shout out, equal amount of love. I'll read it to you, especially if you're driving a truck or something like that. Maybe don't Google that. That's not good. But I'll read it to you. First Kings chapter 10. When you've got it, say, got it. If you need a minute, say, I need a minute. I'll wait for you. First Kings chapter 10. We're going to be reading from verses 1 all the way through to verse 13. And I will read it to you. This is what it says. 
When the Queen of Sheba heard about the fame of Solomon and his relationship to the Lord, she came to test Solomon with hard questions. Pause. Notice that she heard about the kingdom, but she visited the house. She heard about the kingdom. She visited the house. You know, when people talk about the kingdom of God, they talk about it as some kind of mystical far off place that if you read 8,537 books, learnt ancient Greek and travelled the whole world, maybe you might just find it's this far off otherworldly kind of a place, right? But the reality is the kingdom of God is already here, right here and right now. You are actually sitting in one of the houses that belongs to the kingdom of God. If you believe that, say amen. This church is a house in the kingdom, which means the kingdom of God is not coming to Goodna, it's already come to Goodna. The kingdom of God is not coming to Southeast Queensland, it's already come to Southeast Queensland. The kingdom of God is not some far off place in another part of Australia, it's right here, right now. The kingdom of God is already here. Which makes me think, she came because of what she heard. What did she hear? What were people talking about? Now, I think we don't want to be the best kept secret in town. I think we want people to know about us. I love what Pastor Darren was sharing about the uni stuff. I think that that's sweet. You know, sometimes it's easy to think because this church has a great rep and we do so much in the community and we feed thousands of people and we do stuff in other parts of the world that maybe everybody knows us. And a lot of people do know us, that's true, but not everybody does. Every week there are people moving into our area. They're moving into Goodna. They're moving into the resi houses at USQ. Um, they're moving into the Belbert Park. They're moving into Wakehold. They're moving into Darra. They're moving into Bouval. They're moving into Springfield Lakes. They're moving into Greenbank, Sunnybank, etc. And they don't know yet about us And we need to fix that. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. Which made me think, what did she hear about the kingdom? Now, the Bible doesn't say and we don't know, but understanding culture at the time and the way kingdoms work, she probably heard it was very glamorous. It was very wealthy. She probably heard about the ostentatious nature of the palaces. It was impressive. It was shiny and all of that. What do we want people to hear about us when they talk about our community, when they talk about our house. I, I, I hope they hear that we're kind. Come on, give us a wave if you want people to hear we're kind. That we're loving. That we're real. We're authentic. We're not perfect people. Because hello, I'm not a perfect person. And neither are you. Some people are like, you can't say that about me. I just did. Um, also note, it says she had questions. So she might have been a cynic. Maybe you're here, someone's invited you, maybe it's your first time in church and you're, you're feeling a little bit cynical about what you're saying. That's cool, cynics are welcome here too. She came with questions, right? Don't be surprised when people have questions when they hear about the fame of Shiloh and your relationship to the Lord. Notice it says that she had hard questions. Do you ever feel like unsaved people have hard questions for us? Just hard questions like, why do you believe that about people? Um, why do you claim that about God? Why do you cling to that old view of morality? Uh, if God is good, why did He allow this to happen? Those are hard questions. Who's ever been asked a hard question like that before, right? But do you know what those hard questions prove? They prove that you are a citizen of the kingdom. 
That's what they prove, right? Because you'll notice they don't ask those questions of people who live in other kingdoms. They don't ask questions of those people who live in the kingdom of secularism. They don't ask those questions of people who live in the kingdom of this religion or that religion. They don't ask those hard questions of atheists. They ask hard questions to us. And you know why? Well, they may not be consciously aware of it, but what's happening is King Jesus is actually drawing them into the kingdom and he's using hard questions. So don't be afraid of hard questions. Don't be rattled by hard questions. Don't be put off by hard questions. I'm not worried about hard questions. I'm just worried when there's no questions. Because hard questions prove that you are a citizen of the kingdom. So she was going to meet him and hit him with the hard questions. This is what happens. Verse 2. Arriving at Jerusalem with a very great caravan with camels carrying spices, large quantities of gold and precious stones. Pause. Just quickly. It says that she came with a lot of stuff on her journey. It says that she came with a caravan. Now, that doesn't mean that she had a modern caravan attached to a beautiful Toyota Land Cruiser and she was just pulling up front, you know, just right here and then hopped out. In that day and age, when they're referring to a caravan, they're talking about multiple camels and donkeys and horses and all these different people and all laid in. So it took a little bit of effort for her to get there. You know, I, I really believe, as much as I love science fiction, that people aren't going to Star Trek style just beam here on a Sunday morning. <laughs> You know, if anyone appears like that, I think we've all lost our minds. And so that means we're actually going to have to help people form caravans to get here. With friends, family, church people, invite someone, put someone in your car, get somebody here, form a caravan to get your Queen of Sheba in the house. Now, back to her and her hard questions. She came to Solomon and she talked with him about all that she had on her mind. Solomon answered all her questions. Nothing was too hard for the king to explain to her. And when the queen of Sheba saw the wisdom of Solomon and the palace that he had built, the food on his table, the seating of his officials, the attending of the servants and the robes, the cupbearers and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. So she saw the kingdom reflected in the king's house. And it had a profound effect on her. Verse 5 tells us that her experience in the house left her overwhelmed. Some translations actually say breathless, right? What she experienced is both a lesson and a challenge to every single one of us. So the kingdom that we're a part of should be on full display here at Shiloh. Who believes it should be on full display here, right? So just like this queen, the once churched or maybe they've never been to church, I believe God will draw them in and they have to experience the full display of the kingdom of God. Now, they might come with hard questions. They might come with a beef or an issue or a problem. They might come with a history or some other thing, but they are coming here because they have heard stories and they are curious. And that means that they are actually not our guests. They are his guests. Think about that for a moment. They are not coming to Shiloh. They are coming to the kingdom of God and a house in the kingdom of God. The kingdom is located here. This is a house that belongs to King Jesus. They're not our guests. They're his guests, which makes me think. If they're his guests, what are we here to do? Why are we here? I know why Shiloh's here, but like Krista said, you and I are Shiloh. Why are we actually here today in this place? I think that there are three things we are all responsible for. Everyone say three things. Number one, everyone say number one. 
If you're taking notes, number one, host people on behalf of the King. Host people on behalf of the King. Host people on behalf of the King. Notice what she said. She wasn't just overwhelmed by the King. She was overwhelmed by his officials, his servants, his cupbearers and so on. In fact, she only talked about the burnt offerings and the priests and all of the religious stuff right at the very end. In fact, the thing that blew her away first wasn't any of that. It was the experience she had meeting the servants, meeting the people who waited on a table, meeting the people who collected her food, meeting the people that escorted her from room to room. If it was a TV show, if it was a Netflix special, if Chosen was to release a spin-off series based exclusively on this part of the Bible, the people that she was left breathless for were actually the people who were so unimportant they wouldn't have appeared on the credits because they wouldn't have had a line. Those are the people that caused her to reevaluate things. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, Phil, that's great. But mate, that's Bible times. We are in 2023 now. And I hate to say it because I don't want to put pressure on you because I like you and you're a really nice guy. But Phil... All the pressure now rests on you. You're the pastor. It's your preaching. Mate, I'm going to invite my friend. You just, you better bring the bacon, right? You know, if you don't, you don't deliver the goods on Sunday morning, right? Except, no. Because they've actually done studies on this. And everybody who's been around Shiloh a while, and if you're new, I hate to tell you, I'm a nerd. Any nerds in the house? Come on, any geeks in the house? Anyone spends way too much time on Wikipedia in the house? Everyone's like, nope. So because I'm a nerd, I've read some studies. Most studies show that people decide whether or not they're going to come back to church in the first 60 seconds. 60 seconds. Now, add to the fact that new people are usually not late. They're early. They're not like people who found Jesus. They tend to be late. Um, the people that haven't found Jesus yet, they tend to be early, right? So they come early to church. So you've got to ask, what does a new person experience? They get out, they experience the car park, first 60 seconds. Kids' church, sign in if they've got kids. The coffee team, maybe the chairs and the decor, and any people that are also here early, any kingdom citizens. That's when they make a decision whether or not they value the kingdom and value King Jesus. Even before they've met Jesus, they've made a decision about him. Before Pastor Kim has sang with a beautiful voice, before I've gotten read one single verse out of the Bible, they are making a judgment on the king based on that experience. See, that makes you a very valuable person in the kingdom because you have the power to give attention to atmospheres in the room. You have the power to set the atmosphere in the car park, in the kids' sign-in area, here in the auditorium, right? You have the power to set an atmosphere that's so welcoming that people say, this is pretty good. I could come back here again. Or you have the power for people to say, I don't think Jesus is for me. You have that power, even before I've grabbed a microphone. Because we're not hosting people for Shiloh. These are not first-time Shiloh guests. These are guests on behalf of King Jesus in his palace in the kingdom, right? This is his house. And before they get to the burnt offerings and the sacrifice and the priests and all that good stuff, they will make a decision on how they feel about the kingdom. Now, I know someone's going to say, yes, but Phil, I don't serve every week. I'm rostered once a month. In the kingdom, we all serve every week. Because we host people on behalf of the king. We all have a responsibility to do that, right? 
How do I do that? Well, there's lots of things that you can do. You want me to give you an example of something you do? Be friendly. Now, I've been to a lot of churches in my life. Every church I, I, I go to, they always talk about how friendly they are. Most churches are only friendly to each other. But we're not most churches. We're Shiloh Church. We belong to the kingdom of God. This is a house in the kingdom. We're friendly to everybody. So ask somebody what their name is. Now, I'm terrible with names. Guarantee I'll forget it. But I try, right? Ask someone for their name. Ask them if they want a cup of coffee. That's not hard. Ask them where they live. What do they do? Don't be weird about it. You know, it's not an interrogation. But just, just talk to people. Just be nice. Introduce them to somebody else. And then at the end of the service, go back up to them. Chat to them again. How'd you find it? Can I get you another coffee? Can I get you a tea? Can I get you a water? That, that simple act, that's the kingdom of God at work. That's what the kingdom of God looks like. That first 60 seconds, they're going, this is all right. I might come back here again, right? Hopefully, we will get so good at doing this. We'll be so friendly. We'll be talking to people even before they've sat down. We'll be introducing ourselves even before they've figured out where they're going to sit. Hopefully, that's what we'll get to do because we understand we're not doing it on behalf of Shiloh. You're not doing it on behalf of Christa and myself. You're doing it on behalf of King Jesus, the King in the kingdom, and this is His house, right? They are honoured guests of the King. And anyone that's ever worked in customer service will tell you that one of the things they teach you in customer service is people remember how they felt over what they heard. Notice that it does not say that she liked the answers to the questions. She's just overwhelmed by the experience. We are going to have conversations with people where they don't like what we say, but I hope they love how they feel. I hope they love the experience. I hope they feel loved. And if you're new and you're like, man, this is full on, you're a VIP. That's, this is how much effort I'm going to. I'm telling off all the Christians just for you because you are that important to us, right? You know, there's that um, old saying, a spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down. Anyone heard that? Guess who the spoonful of sugar is? You. You're the spoonful of sugar to make the medicine go down. So this is what you do. So you've introduced yourself. You've got them a coffee. Offer them a seat. Which seat? Next to you. Oh, there isn't a seat available. Well, they might have come in late or something. They might have had a, they might be a young family. Had a nappy explosion right as they're going into the car. Any young parent knows we've all been there, right? Feeling a bit sheepish. Stand up and give them your seat. Why? Let me give you a little secret for the kingdom. It's not your seat belongs to King Jesus think about it if this is his house if it is his house and he is the king then who does everything belong to so whose seat are you sitting in so you're not giving up your seat you're actually giving them a seat on behalf of the king and you never know you might be part of their salvation experience as a result of it I love it I feel like I'm losing friends I had a life goal to catch a shark. <laughs> All the people that know me are just cracking up because they're like, this is it not a life goal, it's a death wish, Phil. Because I had bad hydro coordination and I've been fishing twice in 15 years. I'm not very good at it. I, bad balance. Don't know anything about boating. I'm not a very good swimmer. If I fell out of the boat, I'm definitely going to get eaten before I get back in the boat. But I had a life goal to catch a shark. It's literally on my list. I'm not even joking. Wanted to go to Everest, tick, done that. Wanted a specific car, tick, bought one of those. But I just hadn't caught a shark. Probably a good thing. 
I've swum with sharks. My wife paid for that on my birthday. I'm not sure what that says. But anyway, I swam with sharks. I came out. I was in the, they called it the predator tank. I was in there, stingrays and stuff. It was crazy. Anyway, I came out alive. So that's good. And so I, I'd, never, I'd always wanted to, to catch a shark for obvious reasons because of my fishing ability, my hand-eye coordination, my swimming ability and everything else. I had not caught one yet, nor had I ventured out to do that. I casually mentioned it. Matt Hannah over here, he heard it. He thought, I could take Phil shark fishing. He said, let's go. I just said yes. I didn't think about it. If I thought about it, I would have said no because of all of the reasons I just said. He said, I'll pick you up. 2.30 in the afternoon. He came round and he was ready. He put in quite a lot of effort in and amongst all of the bait, which was supposed to be sticky to attract the sharks. It had soft drinks and prawns and all this nice stuff. It was very fancy. I didn't know what was going on. We're in the boat. He says to me, did you watch any videos about what we're going to do if we pull in a shark? And I thought, that makes a lot of sense. I probably should have watched one of those videos because I'm trying to catch a two metre shark, pull it into this boat that's only a little bit bigger than that. And I hadn't actually thought what would happen once I caught one. I said, did you watch any? He said, no. I said, we'll figure it out. It'll be fine. So we're in this boat. We're out in shark infested waters. I saw two dolphins which was both cool, but they weren't sharks. But it was cool because I saw dolphins. Took a photo, rubbed it into everyone from Victoria, living my best life, you know. Um, so, you know, I did the dolphin thing. Then I started putting a line in to catch a shark. Now, again, I've, got, I've not thought about it. I don't know what's going on. But I felt very calm because Matt was there. Because I thought if the shark attacks, I'll just step out and it can eat him first. So, you know, I got no idea what's going on. I'm like, this is a bit weird, but it's pretty cool. It had a good vibe about it. I was drinking Dr. Pepper, which is my favourite soft drink in the whole world. He'd done some research. He figured out he had it for me ready to go. And it was cold right next to the fish gut. So I grabbed one of those. I was like, mm, stinks, tastes good. So I'm drinking this Dr. Pepper. I'm in there. I'm fishing for sharks. Now, I didn't catch a shark which was disappointing, but I did catch something else. I put a photo on the screen here of what I managed to pull in with a fishing line, fishos, with a fishing line. That's pretty good, right? Now it's legal, everyone chill, like, you know, I did all the right thing. I didn't want to, but I remembered I was a Christian, so I was like, okay. So I had measured it all. We threw a whole bunch back. We think we caught like seven or eight crabs or something, but that one I took home, that was for dinner. That's pretty nice. I finished... <clears throat> And even though I didn't catch a shark, I was like, I'm a guy that doesn't really like fishing, if I'm going to be perfectly frank. You can pop the photo down. But I'm halfway through the trip going, how much to buy a boat? Oh, yeah, and what kind of car do I need to pull a boat? Oh, yeah, and how much is that? I'm thinking, this, this could be my life. This fishing thing is good. I get it now. I'm out on the water. I mean, yeah, if I fell in, I would have died, but I didn't fall in, so I'm having this great experience. I came out of it someone that wasn't interested in fishing, that didn't really care, that hadn't thought through any great degree of detail and because of the way I was hosted, I thought maybe fishing's for me. I didn't even get the thing I went out and I went home saying maybe fishing's for me. People might come, they might not get the answers they like, they might get, not even get what they expect but if they have a great experience, they might go home going maybe this Jesus thing's for me. Maybe I should come back next week. Maybe that, maybe, that, maybe that is okay. I have a conviction that King Jesus is sending people our way, hundreds and hundreds of people our way. When he does, let's host them the way he would want them hosted. Verse 6. So she said to the king, 
The report I have heard in my own country about your achievements and your wisdom is true. But I did not believe these things. She was a cynic. Until I came and I saw them with my own eyes. Indeed, not even half of what was told to me was true in wisdom and in wealth. You far exceeded the report I heard. How happy your people must be. How happy your officials who continually stand before you and hear your wisdom. Praise be to the Lord your God who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you the king to maintain justice and righteousness. Pause. So the cynic becomes a worshipper which is why my next point matters so much. In the kingdom, we know that number two, everyone say number two, serving people leads to saving people. Serving people leads to saving people. Now, I know that this is one of those qualities in the kingdom that doesn't sound very exciting. Because if you go to any bookstore, there's like heaps of books on leadership. Everyone's like, oh, I want to be a great leader. You go to conferences and you hear lots of sessions on leadership and that's great. It's a whole lot less common to find stuff on serving. However, to be part of the upside down kingdom is to serve. Listen to Jesus' point of view on the issue. In Matthew 23, 11, this is what Jesus says. The greatest among you will be your servant. So who are the greatest people at Shiloh? The person who knows the Bible the best? No. The person who sings the best? No, praise God. That means I've got a chance. The person with the best title? No. The person who's been in church the longest? No. The people who serve are the greatest people at Shiloh according to Jesus, right? The Queen of Sheba, who represents people we haven't met yet, right, was deeply moved by the king's servants, right? She was overwhelmed by the king's servants. She was pushed to salvation by servanthood, right? So this year, we've got a vision to reach more people in the kingdom than we've ever reached before, to bring more people into the kingdom, right? Not just pastors, not just leaders, not just board members. I hope that all of us carry the heart and the vision to see people come into the kingdom and have an experience that leads to their salvation. If you believe that, say amen. So the way you look after people matters. Serving people leads to saving people. If you're on the kids' church team, smile when people walk through the door. If you're making a coffee and you make them the wrong order or they change their mind or whatever, just be like, ha that's fine. And then make them another coffee. Offer them a seat. Give people a great experience because serving people leads to saving people. So how are we going to do that as a church this year? Well, it's a bunch of different things that we are going to do. The first thing is, and it seems like an odd thing to bring up first, but I believe it underpins everything we do. We are going to bring back monthly church prayer meetings. We're going to call them an hour of power. It's cheesy, but I love cheese. Um, an hour of power. We're going to pray as a church that's open to everybody once a month on one night a week uh, at the end of the month. And we'll let you know all the details. I'm not going to go through every little detail because it will take two hours. But once a month, we're going to pray as a church. I believe that nothing great in the kingdom of God happens without prayer. If you believe that, say amen. In addition to that, at 8.45, every Sunday morning, we're going to have a mini prayer meeting in church. It's for people who serve, but it's also for people who just want to come and pray. I believe that when we pray, great things happen in the kingdom. If you believe that, say amen. amen. All right, the next thing is a bit of a change in role. It's a bit of a shift. So last year we had the floods. Who remembers those? Bonkers, right? And so we spent about six months of the year there you go. These are all of our things. Six months of the year um, and we're just focusing on the floods. And then that meant the second half of the year, there was a ton of pressure on our event side. And so we weren't able to get a couple of the events that I really, really wanted to see happen. Culture Fest and a men's event happened last year. And if you know me, you know when I say something on stage and it doesn't happen, it really grates against my gears. So I'm like, man, we've got to fix this. And I started praying. I felt like we needed somebody in the events role. We needed like an events pastor in our church. 
So I thought, hmm, who is smart, organised, disciplined, experienced at events, loves the house and could help pull all of this off? And the ideal person for that was Kimberly Bergman, our worship pastor. But because we love people at Shiloh, we don't want to work her to death, right? She's just a newly married lady, so we don't want her running multiple departments more than she's already running multiple departments, right? So I thought we need to take something off her plate to put something on her plate. And so it made sense to keep uh, Pastor Kim in the creative role because that's half of what events is, right? It would just be silly. She'd spend half a day in the creative pastor's office asking questions about how to do this and how to do that. So that made sense, which meant to take a step back from the youth ministry. And I thought, Lord Jesus... We just need a great youth pastor, probably someone in their mid-twenties who's experienced a lot of youth ministry before, who can just hit the ground running and just thinking through all this stuff. And then I remembered we have the Regional Youth Alive Director in our church sitting on our front row who's also running our young adult ministry and uh, I reckon would probably do a pretty good job as our youth pastor. So we prayed about it. Sometimes God's very logical. You know? Sometimes people are like, well, you know, did an angel appear in the middle? It's just, it just makes sense, right? So we just prayed about it. We felt like God was like, tick. We prayed as a board. We spoke to them both. They were both very excited. So we've made the announcement at Youth on Friday night. Next Friday night is Pastor Kim and Herbie's last Friday night as the youth pastors. They're not going anywhere. They're still in our church. In fact, they're going to be working very, very hard on a stack of events. Culture Fest. You know, Carol's, they used to start planning it in February. We, we had a couple thousand people. Imagine what would happen if we started planning carols in February, which we have. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. It's going to go to another level. I want to bring back Culture Fest, Leadership Summit, all that kind of stuff, right? So Pastor Kim and Herbie are going to be in that role. And Pastor Darren and his beautiful wife are going to be stepping into that role next week. So that's going to be good. Yeah. Speaking of youth, we want to get into at least a couple schools running regular programs. We want young people to experience the gospel um, in lots of ways. We want them to feel supported, valued, loved, and we want to share Jesus with them. So our aim is to get into a couple schools this year. We want to run a massive winter camp. There's a festival, and I won't say too much because I'm going to let Pastor Darren really just pump that later in the year. I don't want to take up too much time, but it's going to be called Dreamers Festival. And if you are a young person, this is going to blow your mind. We actually pitched it to the council, and even though it's a Christian event, they were like, how do we get behind this? This is amazing. This is exactly what our city needs. And we were like, yes and amen. Yes and amen, right? So that's going to be absolutely amazing. We can do a whole bunch of that stuff. So that is going to be kicking off very, very soon. Um, Pastor Darren already spoke about it, but Red Frogs and Shiloh Uni, right? I, I want to see us in not just prior, uh, uh, high schools regularly. I want to see us in universities regularly, be able to run buses and take university students to church. And so you're going to see a renewed focus on reaching uni students for Jesus. Because this is the thing. Uni is that time where you're questioning everything in your life. What a great opportunity to question and ask hard questions about God. Because we're not afraid of hard questions, are we? Very cool. Next slide. Um, so we're not just going to do all of that. We are going to launch something that I think is going to be very, very cool. So I was thinking about a few things. The first thing I thought about is, you know, I go to all these conferences all over the world and people ask me to speak on all of these key topics. What does the Bible say about woke issues, apologetics, um, uh, how to unpack theology, all of this kind of stuff. And I do it in all of these places. And you know the one place I don't do those things? Shiloh, a bit weird. 
And I'm like, we have amazing worship. We have an amazing team. So we are going to launch a course that's going to run on Sunday nights. It's going to run at 5 p.m. It's launching mid-March and it's called Heartbeat 101s. And it is going to cover the heartbeat of the church, right? But in addition to that, we are going to tackle all the stuff that people say that you can't tackle, right? All the hot topics, we are going to smash them, right? On top of that, if you're like, yeah, I'd love to come, but I've got young kids. Here's what we're going to do. We are going to feed your kids for free. Probably going to be chicken nuggets and chips, but it's going to be great, right? Which means your kids will love us, right? And there's going to be an amazing kids program that's going to run. Pastor Angie and the team are going to run an incredible program. And then we are going to be in here catching the heartbeat. We're going to have extended times of worship. We're going to have times of impartation. We're going to move in the prophetic. The aim is to like bring the conference atmosphere, bang, here into the building every single night. So it's going to run for eight weeks. Cost is $5. All the money goes to missions. It's just a one-off cost. Um, That's just to register so that we know that catering-wise we've got everything. Um, The link will be on the end of the service. You'll be able to sign up to that. Next thing, go teams. So Jesus says to go out into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Matthew 28, 19. And so we are going to have short-term missions teams that are going to go into all the world. So what have we got? I'll be taking a small team with me to Eastern Europe in May. Um, we're just finalising dates, but um, uh, Pete McCutcheon, who's an evangelist in our church, uh, he'll be taking some of our team and they're going to go into Papua New Guinea. They're going to go into the prisons. All the stuff I did last year, we're going to take some people to that. That's going to be sick. You can't, I can't wait for you to be on that. Cape York, probably in September. We're just confirming that with, uh, with them. So we're going to take a team to Cape York. We're going to do some outreaches there. There'll be some boats we're going to eat turtle, um, I've been told. So that's cool. I'm looking forward to that. And then late November, we are going to take a team of youth and young adults to Japan. We're going to be doing street witnessing and stuff in universities. We're putting on a conference. It's going to be amazing. So if you've ever wanted to travel the world, travel the world and make a difference for Jesus. This is your opportunity to do that. That's going to be sweet. Go teams. Mother's room. You know, if you're a young mum... Your whole church experience sometimes happens in that room. It doesn't actually happen in here. Because you come in, come give us a wave if you're a mum or if you're a parent. Yep. Some people are doing this. Like, oh, some pregnant people, that's exciting. Um, so um, your baby might cry or need a nappy change or whatever 10 seconds in before you've even had a seat. And so your whole church experience actually happens in that little parent's room. And if people matter to Jesus, and they do, therefore people matter to us, and they do, then that experience needs to be top-notch. Wouldn't you agree? So we're going to refresh that whole room. In addition to that, we are launching a brand spanking new team within the life of the church. And that is a VIP hosting team just for that room. So they'll come in, they'll introduce themselves to any of the new mums as they come in. Hey, this is who I am and whatever else. There'll be a phone number in there. So if there's any issues in the room at all, you'll be able to text it and someone will be in the room pronto. They won't be sitting up the front where they've got to walk through and knock 10 people over. They'll be right at the back so they can be there in a second. They'll often be in the room, but when there's like 10 parents and babies and whatever in the room, you don't need an 11th body just squeezing all the space up. So, But either way, we want to make sure we host um, those mums with excellence because they matter so much to Jesus. And we want those mothers to feel like they're VIPs because they've brought their kids to church. You know, Krista and I, we, we're like, we, we don't want any more kids now, but um, you know, but you, you never know. Um, so, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. She just did this. She just did this. <laughs> no, Vision Sunday 2024. Anyway, no. Um, I'm kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I don't feel like more sleepless nights. But here's the thing, you know. Sometimes you have those Sundays in the room 
where your baby cries the whole time. It's just one poo explosion after another. And it's a whole service. It can just be pretty, it can be a bit harrowing. And that's kind of like when you have some of those conversations where you're like, this is really hard. We want to be there to support those mums. Did you miss, did you miss the message? Hey, can we flick you a link to the podcast? Can we pray with you in the week? Can we call you? How can we help support you? Because being a young parent is tough. It's hard. So that's going to be really cool. I'm really excited. That. If you want to do that, feel like oh, I would like to host people. Come and see myself or Pastor Krista or Pastor Angie afterwards. We will, we will do that. That's going to be really cool. As part of that, we're going to do a fresh focus on families this year. So we're going to do a family fun day service. It's going to be like a whole family thing. It's going to be wild. There'll be kids in the building. There'll be bananas. It's just going to be crazy. I can't wait. There'll be food after service, all that. We have launched a pray and play midweek group. So you can just bring your baby and pray and play with your kids and do all that kind of stuff. It's a way for mums and more dads uh, to connect and pray together and kind of do that journey of life together so that they have that extra layer of support because how many know being a young parent is important it's the most important job in the whole world and so we want to support that as part of that though um, what we want to do is we want to create take home packs in kids church that kids can take home so the whole family can explore the gospel together so we can unpack how like because a lot of parents when I talk to them are like I want to be able to teach my kids to pray I want to be able to teach my kids the Bible, but I don't quite know how to do that. I was never raised like that. I've just become a Christian last week or last month or whatever. How do I do that? So we're going to create little take-home packs that you can do with your kids so that you can take them on the discipleship journey, so that you can be the key spiritual influencer in their life. That's going to be cool. We're going to launch that next year, this year, sorry. Um, Next slide, because there's more. So Pastor Sean, give us away, Pastor Sean, my brother from another mother. Um, He is going to be relaunching our Next Steps New Christians team. Because uh, there's a stack of people that have gotten saved in the last 12 months. So we need to get that happening. And also those welcome to church lunches that we've been talking about. They're going to happen. Um, they're going to be massive now because there's so many new people in our church. But I love it. I love people and I love food and I love God. So like there's those three, three things all rolled in together. That'll be pretty sweet. We do a refresh and a relaunch of all of our digital and all of our web stuff. Uh, NADOC week. Uh, we did this thing last year, if you weren't here, uh, on the Sunday. Because if you look at the history of NADOC week, it's actually... It's founded by a pastor. It actually started in churches and it's become this whole secular thing. I just think it'd be cool if we brought it back to the whole idea is about biblical reconciliation. And so I think Jesus is good and we love Indigenous people and we want them to feel that love. So we're going to launch that service. But in addition to that, we're actually going to do some midweek outreaches as part of NADOC week. Um, I'm really, really excited about that because I want to take the biblical message of reconciliation outside the church into every corner, into every street, into every whatever. Um, Look at that. Family Fun Day's come back. Yes, we're going to do that again. I think that's really important. Cool. Next slide. More women's events, which is going to be very, very cool. My love is really excited about that, including launching some dinner parties next month. And so if you're thinking, man, that sounds really cool. I would like to go to a dinner party or I would like to host a dinner party. Um, Talk to Krista. That is going to be absolutely amazing. Women's worship nights. We did one last year. We're doing more of that this year. That's going to be fantastic. So um, big shout out to Krista. She was that beautiful woman doing communion at the start. So if you're like, hey, I want to ask someone about that, ask her about that. Um, She knows more about that than me for obvious reasons. But men's event. All the men give us a yell. All right. So two things, um, we are going to have, I'm already beginning to plan it right now, a massive Father's Day weekend. I think this is a time that people are thinking about men anyway. It's a great time uh, to invite a bloke to something. And, uh, you know, people often say that Father's Day weekends aren't necessarily the best weekends. 
but I reckon we can make them the best we can. So we've got a whole thing planned at church. I can't wait to do that. But you're like, that's a long time away. We should do something before that. I agree. So we are launching a men's social interest group. They are going to catch up regularly and just hang out. So if you've got like, oh, mate, I've got a mate and he's not a Christian. I've been wanting to invite him to something. You know, he's probably not quite ready to come to church yet. I've asked him. He said, I'd rather die, but I want to invite him to something. What can I do? It's like, well, invite him to something else. If you can't go through the front door, go through the side door, right? And uh, Noel Gridley, Noel, give us a wave. He's, this is Noel. He's a legend. Um, he's going to be launching. Uh, well, he's already launched. I've had a couple of pre, pre-gatherings. It's just a social thing. Hang out, chat, go to Macca's, kick a footy, eat some wings. They're going to do different things. It's just a social life. So if you're like, I would like to come and lay hands on everybody loudly in tongues, this is not the group for you. There are groups that are like that. This is not one of those ones. If you're like, I just want to hang out with some blokes. I want to make some friends. I want to invite my unsafe mate to something. Bang, see no. It's going to be great. More connect groups. We stack more connect groups in our church. In fact, if you're thinking, I should run a connect group, Yes, this is the year for you. Come and talk to Pastor Krista afterwards. Plus, a lot of the stuff that we launched in previous years, we're going to continue to do it. We're just going to do it bigger and better before, particularly having Pastor Kim in that event space. So I love my City Day, who was there last year when we went and helped out uh, the shelter for women and children. We're going to do more stuff like that this year. Leadership Summit for 2023 is going to be off the chain. I can't wait for you to hear it. DNA Nights tonight. Everyone say tonight. 5 p.m. Everyone say 5 p.m. If you're a leader or if you've been thinking about leadership or if you serve or you've been thinking about serving, come tonight. I'll be sharing part two of the vision and I'll be feeding you pizza. So that's good. Christmas toy drive, we're going to continue to do that. Miracle Month, we're going to continue to do that. All the other classics that are in our church, they're not going anywhere. We're not torpedoing anything. We're just going to make stuff bigger and better than ever before. It's a lot of stuff. I could go through every little itty bitty little like we're going to put QR codes on the back of chairs so people can book meetings with pastors and all that kind of stuff. But the reality is if you notice the theme, every single one of these things is about people encountering the King. Because I believe if people encounter Jesus, all things melt away. If you believe that people encountering Jesus is important, give us a wave, right? Which means we don't have to do all this stuff. We get to do all this stuff. We get to help people encounter Jesus. We get to plug people into the kingdom, right? Notice that she says how happy everybody serving was. Find your joy in serving. Put a smile on your face, right? And whether it's something new like the men's event, you're like, man, I want to be involved in that, Phil. Let me jump on a team with you there. Or whether it's something existing like kids' church or youth, just find your joy when you serve because we get to do this. Anyway, what happens next is interesting. Verse 10. And she gave the king 120 talents of gold, large quantities of spices and precious stones. Never again were so many spices brought in as those the queen of Sheba gave Solomon. I know someone's going to be like, I knew it. The church just wants your money. Um, She gave an offering. I knew it. But hang on a minute. Look at what happens next. Skip to 13. King Solomon gave the queen of Sheba all she desired and asked for besides what he had given her out of his royal bounty. And she left and returned with uh, with her reuniting to her own country. So basically she left with more than she came with. She left with more than she came with. She was changed by her experience in the kingdom. I want every single person to come in here leaving with more than they came with. Come in empty, go out full of joy. Come in lonely, go out with some friends. Hello. Come in broken, go out restored. Come in confused, walk out with the principles to a successful life. But there is one final key to seeing that happen. Number three, everyone say number three. My last point, faith that experiencing the kingdom changes people. Faith that experiencing the kingdom changes people. 
Solomon and everyone in his team had faith that her experience uh, would be so good that she would walk away changed. The way that they hosted her, the way that they fed her, the way that they spoke to her, left her changed. In fact, you can go and do a whole bunch of historical research. I won't bore you with that. Have watched docos on it. Um, the Queen of Sheba is a fascinating figure. She went away completely changed by her experience. And that's what I'm believing happens. You know, when we have faith, it taps into the spiritual realm and pulls it into the natural realm. And it looks like so many different things. For example, the Bible says that God inhabits the praises of His people. When you have faith that that's going to happen, it changes the way you praise. It brings a miracle to your row. Like has anyone ever been in a service, maybe, maybe a conference or whatever, where you didn't feel like worshipping, but everybody else around you was getting into it and before long you were into it? Has anyone ever been in one of those environments? That's what faith does. It changes the atmosphere. You know, when we hear the Word of God, and I know that it sounds a bit funny because I'm the pastor, so it seems a bit self-seeking. But when you walk in with an expectation like, I am going to hear from God today. I've got my Bible ready. I've got my pen ready. I've got my paper ready. If I've got bad handwriting like Pastor Phil, I've got my phone out. I'm taking notes on it, whatever. When you come in with a sense of expectation, it's palatable. You can feel it in the atmosphere. I don't know about you, but I've visited people's homes and I've visited schools and conferences where there's a sense of expectation. It's like a Saturday night at camp moment, right? And you walk in and you can feel it in the atmosphere. And it changes what happens in the room. But the reality is you don't have to wait for next month, next year, next decade. You can have that experience right here and right now. But you have to be the one that carries that and brings faith into the atmosphere. You have to be the one that says, I don't know what's going to happen on my road, but I am going to bring enough faith to cover the whole lot of you. If you believe that, say Amen. I'll get the band up. Faith, faith. Faith. Faith has to be the driving force for everything we do at Shiloh. From the chairs we put out to the way we host people, faith that experiencing the kingdom changes people. It takes faith to pray together regularly. It takes faith to go into schools and universities. It takes faith to host people like that in the mother's room. But I believe that faith changes people. Faith changes people. I am Thank you for joining our podcast. We hope you were blessed by today's message. You can connect with us at shilohchurch.com.au.